Well, praise the Lord, East Wind. It's good to have everybody with us today. We just want to welcome you to this week's online broadcast. And we know that God's got something special for you today. The Word of God can penetrate your heart, do a great work in you. And we're just so thankful that we have this time to come together. We want you to mute all of your electronics right now and get ready to have church. Gather your family around and let's worship the Lord together. God bless. Break into the wild and don't be afraid. Mm. Run into wide open spaces. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is.
like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Grace is waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Because grace is waiting for you.
Before we continue with more worship and the Word of God, I want to uh, give you a few announcements for this upcoming week. Some people have been asking about how to give, and we have different options to give. One of the ways that you can give online is to go to give.eastwind.church, or you can simply text to the phone number 321-339-1333, or you can drop off your offering at the church Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. We got some exciting events coming up tonight. Don't forget 
our e-chat with Pastor, and Bishop is going to be joining him. Also, Bishop and Pastor Carney from Columbia, Mississippi. They're going to be talking about passing the mantle to the next generation. This is something you're not going to want to miss. We want to remind you about our upcoming schedule this week, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. each night. We've got a great lineup of anointed men talking about leadership. On Monday night, Brother David Bernard. Tuesday, Brother Scott Graham. Wednesday night, it's Brother Raymond Woodward. And Thursday will be Brother Stan Gleason. And Friday will be Brother Jerry Jones. This is a, such a great lineup. You're not going to want to miss these services. We also want to remind you that next Sunday is Mother's Day. And for all of our online viewers, our online broadcast will be at 10 a.m. Here at the church, we're going to be having live services, no recordings. But at 8 a.m., 10 o'clock, and 12 o'clock noon, we'll be having live services here at the church. We just want you to know and be reminded that East Wind cares. And anytime that you need anything, don't hesitate to call the church at 321-723-2030. Now let's continue to worship the Lord as the praise team comes back and let's receive the word as Pastor Myers brings forth the message today. God bless.
veil is torn and the doors fling wide I see glory as I run inside the throne room Before you I bow The veil is torn and the doors fling wide I see glory as I run inside the throne room Before you morning and welcome to East Wind. I'm so glad that you have joined us today and I know some of you are here in the auditorium and some of you are at home watching this by internet or by Facebook or in some social media platform. 
But however you have joined us today, I'm so glad that you have because we are getting ready to look to the Word of God. And I believe the Lord has a special word for us through those holy scriptures, through the pages of the Word of God that will minister to you and your home. And I know God is helping us and directing us and covering us as we come through this pandemic. And we are excited because we know that we are in the process of coming back into the house of the Lord. So I want to turn your attention to Psalms chapter 27 and we begin reading in verse 1. Psalms chapter 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Verse 3. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, verse 5, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. He's going to set us up upon a rock. He's going to take us to higher ground in a time of trouble. Look at verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. I'm excited about that portion that says, we're going to go back into the tabernacle and offer up the sacrifices of joy. The Bible says in Psalms, weeping endures for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Oh, I feel that daybreak coming over the horizon. I feel that morning coming. I feel that joy is coming as the sun begins to burst forth into this season that we have been in. And I want to speak to you today on this subject, created for crisis created for crisis. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your word and we're thankful for this opportunity to be together. Lord, though some of us are gathered together electronically, Lord, you see our hearts and minds and you're in every home. And Lord, as we gather our families around and as we begin to prepare and to listen to your word, I pray God that we would hear more than just a physical voice, but that we would hear that spiritual voice. We would hear the voice that only comes from you. And your sweet presence would fill every heart and every home. I ask you, Lord, that you would allow our minds to be illuminated for your word and that we would be changed from the inside out. And we will give you the praise for all things and at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you were standing, you may be seated. Created for crisis. The ministry of Jesus was never presented as a trip 
through the tulips. Jesus never sugarcoated this gospel with images of nirvana and messages of utopia. Jesus was always honest. He was honest with the trials that would be a part of this life. He was straightforward with the realities of sacrifice that would accompany discipleship. He made it clear in Matthew chapter 16 that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he would be killed and that he would rise again. And I'm not sure if the disciples fully believed this statement or maybe they thought he spoke of a parable but, but not an actual death. But either way, you could never accuse Jesus of not telling the true story. He made it clear that his destiny was not destruction, but the mission for which he was on this earth was fully integrated with the sting of death. He was created for Calvary. He was created for the chaos that would surround that crucifixion. And he never lost sight of his calling because in the middle of the suffering, he turned to that man that hung on the cross next to him and he forgave that man of his sins. If there was ever a time that the flesh would want to go into survival mode, and circle the wagons of a defensive posture, it is when you or I are in the throes of persecution. No doubt in his flesh, Jesus felt the same way. But he did not give in to temptation. No, my friend, Jesus resisted. And he reminded us that there was a plan. And that this plan was not a surprise. He then made it clear that we also have to face the same types of decisions in our life. Perhaps not a physical crucifixion, but we would also have to make decisions that involved sacrifice and discomfort. Are we going to only serve him for the fish and the loaves of bread? Or are we going to come forth as gold when the fire of adversity burns? Are we going to take on his persona in the middle of pain and strife? Matthew chapter 20 and verse 22, Jesus makes it clear to his followers. The Bible says that he answered and said, ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, we are able. Those three words resonated in my spirit. They said, we are able. May not be what we're looking for. They wanted to know what the hierarchy would be when Jesus passed from the scene. They wanted to know who would be on his right and on his left. But he reminded them again that there was some adversity that was in front of them. That they would have to drink of the cup that he drank from. And they would have to be baptized with the baptism of adversity that he was soon to face. But they did not shy away from that, though it was made clear to them that this is not a bed of roses. They said those powerful words that still ring in my ears today in the 21st century. We 
are able. I say to this great congregation today that though you may be facing adversity, though we as a nation are facing this pandemic, though we have had moments and no doubt days when our faith was challenged, I feel a strength in my spirit. I feel God's people rising up and saying, we are able. We echo those words of his followers. We're able to make it. We're able to stand up. We're able to dig deep. We're able to say, God, we're going to follow you no matter what may come our way. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what the future holds, but I know a God that holds our future. And I've come to declare into the atmosphere that we are able, as the church of the living God, as the people of the name of Jesus, we are able, not because of who we are, but because of who we are in him. Jesus Christ has given us the strength he has created us for such a time as this. We are able. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Why? Because the church was designed for hard times. We were not designed for a utopia society. We were not cultivated from the soil of luxury and perfect circumstances. No, my friend, we were born in the fire. And one of these days, the Lord's going to come back for his church that has gone through the fire that have been tested and tried. And I don't know about you, my friend, but I want to be a vessel of honor and I want to be an instrument of praise that say, yes, we went through the fire, but God, you created us for the chaos of our day and the chaos and the crisis of this century. But Lord, you made us, you put in us what is necessary. And I feel like we're going to come back stronger than ever before. I feel like God is allowing us as a body of believers to recognize that we can do all things through Christ. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We were born in the fire. We were tailor-made for difficult circumstances. We don't wish for them, but we will not falter in them either. We don't go around looking for heartache. We don't go around wondering and, and wishing for difficult circumstances but neither do we shy away because God has given us something that's worth fighting for and ladies and gentlemen we don't look to society for our example of how to handle a disaster we look to Jesus he's the prototype oh hallelujah he's the example and he started that 33 year life in a manger a box of rough-hewed wood, and he ended his life on the rugged lumber of a cross. And everything in between was something other than smooth sailing. So it should not shock us when seasons of unrest and seasons of uncertainty cross the paths of our days on earth. It does not mean that God has forsaken us. It means that God has prepared us. He has designed the church 
for such a day as we live in right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Why don't we lift our hands and worship him right now? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost that's in this place right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we join the voices of past generations. And we declare without hesitation, we are able. Oh, my friend, the history of the church abounds with examples of the church stepping into the darkness of suffering to shine as lights. Maybe that's what we are facing and maybe there's more to come. We don't know. No one knows except the Lord. But I believe we can learn a lot if we go back and look in history and we see what our roots are in Christianity. Sociologist Rodney Stark explored an example of Christians in the midst of a pandemic when he writes about a plague that swept through the Roman Empire in 251 AD. It decimated the population. In his Easter letter around 260 AD, Dionysus wrote a tribute to the believers whose heroic efforts cost many of them their lives during the plague. Pagans tended to flee the cities during plagues, but Christians were more likely to stay and to minister to the suffering. According to Dionysus, and I quote, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Needless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy. And from the first century all the way to the 18th century, we see a thread of consistency because during the fall of 1793, yellow fever gripped the city of Philadelphia. Historian Richard Newman writes that from the moment it began, the yellow fever epidemic was a public health crisis. Thousands of citizens fled. Hospitals became overwhelmed and dead bodies rotted in homes. And within this crisis, the historian writes, it was the emerging Christian church under the leadership of Richard Allen, which entered into the suffering, not thinking about themselves or the color of their skin. They reacted simply on the creed of their faith. Allen modeled an empathetic approach to loving his neighbors. Allen and his fellow volunteers were heartbroken over the suffering of the sick. They resonated with those patients who had been cast out. Allen never lost sight of this truth, that those around him were lost and needed Jesus. Oh, my friend, when I see our church serving our community during hurricanes and, and during pandemics and, and our Hands for Healing International Ministry that continues to build orphanages and, and medical clinics and, and reach out and feeding thousands of people every week, I am reminded that we were designed for such a time as this. 
from the first century all the way to the 21st century, God has put in the DNA of the body of Christ a determination that when we face persecution, we do not run and we do not hide, but we were created for the crisis and we were made for such a moment because God has something beautiful that he wants this world to see through his disciples through those that confess their faith in him. And so, my friend, though this season may be inconvenient, I've come to tell you that we were made for such a time. We were created for the crisis. It's part of who we are in the church. We are reminded that the gospel calls us to live sacrificially in the face of crisis. That although fear can threaten to flood our hearts and tempt us to isolate and to hide. The scripture that we hold so dear, it anchors our heart in a God who is greater than the pain that we endure in this life. History reveals how that more than just storms that are there for us to weather and to get through, these times are windows of opportunity to minister in the midst of the calamity. And in doing so, we testify to the truth that this world is not our home. We are citizens of another. Oh, my friend, this is just a temporary time. This has come, but it's going to pass. And ladies and gentlemen, when it does, there is one thing that's constant. There is one thing that is certain, and that is that God is coming back for a people that's looking for his soon return. And I don't know when, and I don't know where, how it's all going to happen, but I know one thing. There is a spirit of expectation in in the body of Christ. So I say to this great church, be not weary in your well-doing, but lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my friend, we were created for another climate. We were designed for eternity. This is what the apostles knew, and this is why they and the post-apostolic fathers were not afraid to lay down their lives. John Wycliffe, born in England in 1320, became a professor at Oxford. In 1376, he began to encourage laity, people that were a part of a religious institution. He began to encourage them to read the Bible. You see, my friend, prior to 1962, it was not always encouraged for people to read their Bibles. But John Wycliffe and the Wittenberg Press and all that came into play that allowed the Bible to get in people's hands, people begin to read the Scripture. And when they begin to read the Scripture, they begin to understand that the religious leaders that had been put up in places of authority were given over to corruption and they were not the true spiritual leaders that the Bible called for. And after John Wycliffe called those things out, called out those religious leaders, called out the corruption of their practices, he died a natural death. But afterwards, they dug up his bones and burned them 
and threw the ashes in the Thames River. His followers were called Lawlers because, and listen to this, they sang softly as many of them were burned by those people in positions of authority. Hundreds, thousands were burned at the stake from one end of England to another. That didn't stop the church from having a song. Families would gather around and they would sing softly as loved ones were being burned at the stake. John Huss from the Czech Republic, he was a professor at the University of Prague. He preached righteousness. He studied for the priesthood, but he condemned the selling of indulgences. He was excommunicated by the church that he was a part of. And in 1443, a general council was held in Germany. And John Huss was promised protection. But when he got there, he was arrested. He was thrown in prison and he was tortured. And at the trial, they put a, a paper hat on his head and called him a child of the devil. They tore off his priestly garments. And in that square where even this day, there is a monument that commemorates him being burned at the stake in that square in Prague, Czech Republic. They burned John Huss there. But you know what? Right before John Huss burned to death in 1415, he said, you're about to roast a poor Bohemian goose, but in 100 years, you will have a swan, and you can neither roast or boil. You're not going to be able to steal this song that's in my heart. Though you can burn this body, there's coming a time when you're not going to be able to contain this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, 100 years later, Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany in 1517. That was 100 years later. And history tells us that he died singing praises and hymns to the Lord. Oh, it's there on the plaque. You can go there to the square and read it for yourself. I was there last summer. You can see it for yourself all of these years later. 503 years later, there's still the testimony of a man, hallelujah, who believed that God was preparing him for a better place. And though he was in the midst of flames and hurting and suffering in his body, there was a song in his heart and he began to sing. We read about it in the book of Acts chapter 16 when they put Paul and Silas in the prison and they whipped them in their backs and at Philippi they put them away and they said, you're not going to sing anymore. You're not going to preach anymore. But they couldn't steal the song that was in their heart. There came a song out of that sorrow. And the Bible says about the midnight hour there was a great earthquake and those prison doors flung open. Oh my friend, there's something about having a song in the midst of your sorrow. There's something about recognizing. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. There is a God that's given us something deep inside. That man cannot take it away. We were created for the crisis and God has given us a song in the midst of the sorrow the psalmist said this in our text we read it in verse 6 I want to read it again and now 
shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies. Oh, my friend, sometimes you've got to just lift your head up. You've had your head down too long. You've been discouraged too long. You've got to lift up your head. For look into the hills, that's where your help is coming from. He said, my head is going to be lifted up. i got to get in a posture of praise. I've got to get in a position of expectation. This is our hour. This is the hour of the church. This is not just a moment to survive. This is the moment to thrive. This is the moment to stand up, to be a city that is set on a hill. Oh, my friend, we are the church of the living God. And we're nothing on our own, but we've been baptized in his name. And we have been buried by the power of His Spirit in the Holy Ghost and with the authority of His name in water baptism. So we've got an identity. We've got the identity of our Savior. And He said, therefore. Oh, I like that word. Oh, hallelujah. That therefore means even though all this other is a fact. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. In his tabernacle. I'm going to offer up sacrifices of joy. I'm glad that we've turned our homes into places of worship. We've been needing to do that. We should have never gotten to the point where we just relied on the church house for our own spiritual maturity and for our own times of worship and devotion. We need to be praying in our homes. We need to be worshiping our homes. I'm so glad that our homes have become an altar of sacrifice and a place of repentance and a place of worship and a place to glorify God. And we've all strengthened our homes with devotion and with the word of God that's gone forth on a consistent basis. But ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that nothing will ever replace coming together in the tabernacle of God's house, hallelujah, and lifting up praises unto him. This is still the place where we come together in one mind and one accord and say great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And so we take the precautions that are necessary. But ladies and gentlemen, we are hungry to get back to the house of God because it's in his tabernacle that I will sing praises and offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yay, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Woo, my friend, we have come back in this tabernacle with a song. We got a song in our heart. We got a song in our spirit. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord, all ye earth. Lift up your voices and declare the greatness and the glory of God because this song came out of the fire. This song came out of a heart of thanksgiving. This is a song that says we shall overcome. This is a song that says uh, we're going to make it to the other side. This is a song that says great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. This is a song that declares the glory and the greatness of God. Oh, my friend, uh, this is the church that's been through the fire. But the fire couldn't burn it. This is the church that's been through the storm. But the storm couldn't turn it. This is the church triumphant. And it was built by the hand of the Lord. It was built for this season. It was created for this crisis. For this moment. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 16 reminds us. Behold, 
I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. I want you to notice that, my friend, that he said there's an instrument that's coming out of the fire. There's something that has been made in the midst of this fire of adversity. There is an instrument that's going to come forth. And I say to you today, under the anointing of the Spirit of God, that we are going to come back as instruments of praise and as vessels of honor. I've come to speak a word to someone right now. You have been through a trial. and You may be going through it even now. It may be something other than this virus. It may be something in your home, something in your finances, something in your health. But I've come to declare to you that you're going to come out of this stronger than ever before because there's an instrument that's being created. God is developing something inside of your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. There's going to come a song out of the fire. There's coming an instrument of praise. You're going to bless the Lord like never before. You're going to exalt Him like never before. You're in His presence for such a purpose. You're going to come out of this thing and we're going to be changed. We're going to come out with a praise. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Do you see that? The day shall declare it. It's these times and seasons when what is within us is revealed. The day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. It's the fire that reveals what's inside of us. It's the crisis that reveals the song that's inside of us. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built, thereupon he shall receive a reward. If any man's work, verse 15, shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Everything else that's not built upon this solid rock, Christ Jesus, is going to be burned and it's going to be a loss. But the same fire that created a loss of all those things that are not important was the same fire that saved us. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Oh, my friend, that's the difference. That's why you and I can be saved by the same fire that tries everything else. You're going to come forth as gold. You're going to be saved by that same fire of adversity and that same fire of persecution and that same fire of unfavorable circumstances. It's in the midst of that fire that you're going to be saved, that you're going to dig deep. And when you do, you're going to find that you're more than just an instrument and you're more than just a vessel. But indeed, the Word of God says, Ye are the temple of God. Oh, my friend, do you realize that you are the temple of God if the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? 
That's why there's nothing more important than being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what establishes your body, your mind, and your spirit as the temple of God when you are filled with the Holy Ghost. And I've come to declare to you right now that God has desired to fill you with the Spirit for a mighty long time. Don't put it off for another moment. You ought to get saved right now in the midst of this pandemic. You ought to lift up your hands where you are and you ought to say, I receive it. In the name of Jesus, I declare my victory. Come on, let's do it right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak faith. I speak boldness upon every listener and every viewer in the power and the authority of your word. I'm asking you, Lord, to pour out your spirit upon every single individual. I'm asking God that houses be filled with your Holy Ghost power and that everybody in the room be filled with an unction and an anointing for the glory of God. Oh, my friend, God's doing the work right now. Everything else is going to fade. It's going to dissipate in the fire. Everything else is going to be put aside. Have you seen in just the last few weeks how that an entire world can be shut down by a little microscopic, invisible to the natural eye virus? Something so minuscule can put everything on pause and cause everything to stop that we are so accustomed to. Everything can be burned in a moment, my friend. But the church, God's people that are bought by His name, buried in His name, spirit-filled in His name, because all power and authority is in His name, that fire causes us to become instruments, to become vessels, to become the temple of God. Oh, my friend, the same fire that burns everything else is the same fire that will save you. Why? Because the Spirit dwelleth in you. And if you've never received the Holy Spirit in your life. The Bible describes it in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19. That New Testament church, they were created for adversity and they went through a tremendous amount of adversity. But they survived and they thrived and here we are 2,000 years later. You know why? Because the Spirit of God was upon them. It filled them. We read about it in Acts chapter 2. 120 and then 3,000 were added to the church that day and it just kept spreading out of Jerusalem and into those surrounding areas because you can't stop this wildfire called Christianity that jumps over borders and boundaries and oceans and languages and nationalities and socioeconomic levels. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, what country you're in. The Holy Ghost is for you. God has chosen such a time as this to fill you with His Spirit. You were created and you were designed for this moment. I wonder right now, as we prepare to receive God's hand in our life in a powerful way, if you're here in the auditorium, I want you to stand up, or even if you're at home, I want you to stand up. 
And I want you to get ready right now to open up your heart and open up your mind. Oh, I feel the anointing and the unction of the Spirit of God. I want us to just start right now with a prayer of repentance. And then I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And I'm believing that God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost, touch your body, heal you. Whatever the situation is, God's got it for you right now. And I'm asking you to just start out by repenting and asking the Lord to forgive you of every sin. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes right now? And in your own words, would you just pray a prayer of repentance? Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of every sin. Cleanse my heart. Lord, I've tried to do things on my own. I thought I could make it, Lord, on my own, but I recognize my need of you. I recognize my dependence on you. I believe your word. I believe this message that's been preached. And I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of every sin. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. You said in your word that if we would ask, you would forgive us and you would cleanse us. And I'm committing myself, Lord, that I, I want to turn and go a different direction. I don't want to go back the way I came. I, I want to be an instrument. I want to be a vessel of honor. I, I, I want to be a temple, a temple of God filled with His Spirit. And I'm asking you, Lord, to cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart, cleanse my hands, thoughts that I've had things that I may not even be aware of, Lord. Cleanse everything in these lives, Lord, so that your spirit can abide here. We ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, and we believe, as your word tells us, that if we confess our faults to you, that if we ask you to forgive us, that you will hear our cry and that you will forgive us. Now, Lord, we believe that you have forgiven us and we have prepared our heart and mind for the outpouring of your spirit. I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Now, wherever you're at, I want you to just lift up your hands. That's just saying, Lord, I surrender my will to you. If you're in the auditorium, I want to invite you to come forward around here to the altar. We're going to lift up our hands right now. And I believe God's going to give a certain something that's going to bring joy like never before. I, I don't even know how to quantify it with words. I just know that there's something moving in the Holy Ghost. And as you come down to this altar right now and you begin to lift up your hands and those of you that are watching maybe in your homes or maybe on your iPhones or maybe in your car or other countries or wherever you're at, I know you're in a place right now where you can just lift up your hand and say, Lord, I surrender my will to you and I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my heart. As you begin to pray that, you're going to begin to feel words come up out of your mind, out of your spirit, out of your mouth. You're going to begin to speak words that you don't understand, that you're not even sure how it happened. But as you begin to speak it, that's the overflow of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I want you to just lift up your hands right now. And I want you to begin to pray. And I want you to begin to ask God. And God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. Whatever it is that comes into your mouth, you just speak it out. Whatever you say is okay. You can't say the wrong thing. There's something inside of you that God has birthed in your spirit right now that He's saying, I've got a special touch upon your life. Come on, lift up your hand, close your eyes and begin to worship him and God's going to feed with the Holy Ghost. Now by the authority of the word of God and by the anointing of your spirit and by the power of your name I ask you Lord to pour out your spirit right now in the name of Jesus and fill every single person with the gift of the Holy Ghost by the authority of the name of Jesus. Oh that's it. I receive it right now. I claim it in the name of Jesus. Oh that's it. Begin to worship Worship the Lord. Come on, let there be praises that'll come up out of your mouth. Let there be praises that'll come up out of your spirit. Oh, get that song back. Get it down in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Begin to say, Lord, I thank you. You've done so much for me, Lord. To God be the glory. You are great and greatly to be praised.
Let it be clear.